0: Joyful Sex Education, we provide the tools to foster sex-positive consciousness. But you have to ask yourself, what is sex-positive consciousness? And that is what we will discover together here on the Pleasure Principle Podcast. If you haven't listened to part one of our interview with Ray Kennedy, be sure to go back and check that one out. We covered the medical myths and facts about herpes. All right, Ray Kennedy, thank you so much for joining us on The Pleasure Principle today. I'm so glad to be here. Um, Ray is a registered nurse who obtained her bachelor's degree in the science of nursing in 2006. 16. Is that right? 2016. Yeah. She re- recently graduated from the Institute of Sexuality Education and Enlightenment as a certified holistic sex educator. Uh, Ray founded an organization called Positive Results that provides support for vulva owners who have been diagnosed with herpes or the HSV-1 or 2 virus. So... Let's get started talking about herpes. Yes, my favorite <laughs> thing to talk about. <laughs> I love that. In part two, we're diving into the emotional toll of a herpes diagnosis and the social stigma that causes all of that pain. I think maybe what you're trying to say is it's it's not going to change your, getting a cold doesn't change your value as a human being.
1: No, and I'd like to say that, yeah. you know, 80% of the global population lives with some t- either HSV-1 or HSV-2. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's a majority of the world's population lives with one of these. And a lot of the time, like HSV-1, people have cold sores and have lived with oral outbreaks since they were a child, but we don't talk about how stigmatizing and awful that is. And we don't, you know, we're not asking people like, have you been tested recently before you share a drink with them? Um, Or kiss them. So it's just interesting that there's a difference between the genital strand or type and the oral type. And Mm -hmm. I think so much of what the fear comes with it is the stigma that contracting it makes you less worthy or that you're Mm -hmm. dirty or that you are promiscuous. I think that's all the scary stuff is that you don't want to be branded Mm -hmm. with the Mm -hmm. stereotypes that are attached to it. You know, because a lot of the, another misconception I'd say is that people believe that herpes you're like one constant outbreak that you're just oozing with sores all the time you know but that's not true mm-hmm. if you live with hsv1 you're the average person has zero to one outbreaks a year if you live with hsv2 the average person has four to five outbreaks a year and it's pretty manageable and that's like A lot of people can take antivirals and supplements and different things to really help with outbreaks, but it's a really manageable thing. It doesn't affect my day-to-day life. If I weren't talking about herpes constantly with the work that I do, I would not think about it at all. It's not an issue in my
0: relationship.
1: I have very few outbreaks, and it's just not something that consumes my day-to-day life unless I'm working. So.
0: When people come to you and your organization and they are freaking out about their herpes diagnosis, what is the first thing you say to them? Or if someone say, what can you tell other people? Like if somebody comes to you and says, I have herpes and I'm freaking out, what what's the best thing to say to them?
1: You're not alone and it gets better because I think those are the two things that we can feel the most, that we're the only people in the world who know what this feels like because so many people don't talk about it and it can feel really isolating when you're experiencing it. But also it gets better because people think it's all over right then and there. And it's amazing what we tell ourselves in our head. The stories are so much worse than reality. And, you know, I've got some experience on them. I've got four and a half years of experience. So I'm there to share them, like give them shortcuts. And basically, Um, heads up, it gets a lot easier, I promise. And I do. I say I promise. And people always are like, you shouldn't promise these things. And I'm like, no, but it's true. It gets easier. It gets better.
0: Our bodies just get better at dealing with it, especially if we listen to our bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we can all learn to do over and over again
1: our bodies are our bodies. amazing resilient things
0: mm-hmm. yes they are yes they are i'm super super grateful for that on a number of levels yeah. um so why is you talk and i love this phrase like smashing is that what you say smashing the, sti- slaying the slaying stigma, slaying the stigma slaying the stigma <laughs> so why is it so important to slay the stigma around herpes or another way of saying is that what's the what's the danger of not slaying the stigma around herpes
1: yeah that's a great question i think that people don't suffer from herpes we suffer from the stigma because once we manage to get our outbreaks under control and we get our like disclosure down pat you don't really have to think about it anymore it's just part yeah. of being who you are yeah. but the stigma is what holds us back from so much That's what we get afraid to tell people our status because we don't want to be judged. And that is very dangerous. We don't want to have non-consensual sex with our partners and withholding information that can affect their sexual health. That's non-consensual. That's not right. And the stigma is what's holding so many people back from being radically honest with their partners. Um, That's what brings us feelings of shame and you know, embarrassment, and those things rob you of sexuality and pleasure. And so as soon as you succumb to the stigma, yeah, herpes will ruin your life, but it's the stigma doing it, not the virus.
0: I can tell you is one of the ground floor <laughs> Benefactors of this virus. That is absolutely true. And I suffered from the stigma of it for decades before anybody was out there saying, don't worry about it. It's, it's okay. You can deal with it. Yeah. um, Yeah.
1: I love that you set so. the ground floor beneficiary. I call, there's like a few of us that have been doing the herpes thing on Instagram for a while and I call us the herpes
0: elders. Yeah. Oh, I am a herpes elder big time. A wise, wise person you are. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. And every time you mentioned, like anytime I have freaked out about having to tell someone, you know that I'm with, I cannot tell you most of the time, even if they don't have it themselves, their comment is like, Oh, every other girlfriend that they've ever had has had it, <laughs> you know, or, or practically all of them. So it's, it's really so common. true. It's so true. Yeah. Um, would you, would you, you say that, uh, herpes made you a better person. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I would love to.
0: Um,
1: so and I'll be really honest, before I contracted herpes, I was selfish. I was I was kind of sneaky and not exactly forthcoming about a lot of things. Obviously, it wasn't my STI status, because that wasn't an issue at the time. But yeah, I was self serving. And which I don't think is always a bad thing. But it wasn't until I contracted herpes that I realized, like, whoa, I need to slow down with these relationships. It makes me really think about who I'm sharing my body and my energy with. Um, you know, like, is this person worth my disclosure? Is this person worth my time and energy? Um it also made me more tolerant of things that I used to stigmatize. I mean, I definitely carried the stigma because I I was subscribing to the belief that only certain girls got herpes, and then suddenly I was that person, and then I had to reevaluate everything that I thought I believed in about sex and sexual health and. You know, so I got to sit there and I think this is such a beautiful experience and I wish everybody could have this experience. But I had to sit down and decide what was mine that I believed in about sex and pleasure and sexual health and what was passed along to me without my knowledge. You know, what was given to me by society and my peers and my parents and what is really mine that I believe in. And so I got to really, you know, pick and choose for myself and find the values that I had around these things and it was a really special experience. I'm I'm so much more honest. I love vulnerability. I am the first person to, I'm like the most transparent person out there, almost to a fault, but I would never say that because it's just it's been so wonderful the connections I've had with everyone in my life have strengthened and I would say it all revolves around my experience with herpes.
0: I really love the way you phrase that, asking, you know, sitting down with yourself and asking yourself, what's mine? What are my beliefs about sexuality? I can't tell you how much I love that. That's yeah.
1: great. That's a great way to phrase it. Oh, yeah. Go down a rabbit hole with yourself and journal about yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So, uh, yeah, and I had this, I just wanted to I, I sent you this quote, but I'm going to read it out loud to people. This is an author who I heard. I think I heard him re- originally on Fresh Air, a podcast Fresh Air. I don't know if you ever listened to that, but, but it's a, he's a, a PhD and an MD and his name is Nicholas Christakis. And he wrote a book called Connected. Um, and he was on, he was on, uh, uh, and I believe it was Fresh Air talking about the pandemic, But he said, um, the spread of germs is the price we pay for the spread of ideas. Through the spread of ideas, we have victory over the virus. And I just love that because I spend so much of my time thinking about how people are connected with one another, another. That's what I That's why I'm a sex educator. It's not just about the orgasms and the better orgasms and the great sex, which is fine. And I love to talk about that, too. But that's not the core of why I why I do this. It's about having better and uh, deeper uh, connections with other people and really where those come from. And I find this idea just of biology in the world around us and how, you know, we're connected with so much more than we think we are and like even just the viruses that connect us and we have this we pass them back and forth to each other and we they they change us like you were talking about this virus changed you mm-hmm. it changed the way that you interact with people yeah you know?
1: had i never contracted hsv i would not be a sex educator You know, it gave me the idea, like you said, to educate people about the stuff that we didn't know. Like it wasn't until I contracted that I realized how terrible sex education was and how little I actually knew and how important it was to learn and unlearn and continue to learn. And yeah, I I know how many people I've connected with about these ideas and these concepts around herpes and theories and all kinds of things. Yeah. And you're so right. And in a meeting recently I had, cause I do support meetings. There was somebody who said that she finds a lot of peace out in nature because she was sitting there and realized humans aren't the only people that have viruses. Everything has viruses and every living thing. And you know, just, it's just part of life.
0: Yeah, they're just viruses are like creatures in the world, just like we all are, mm-hmm. and we're going to all have to learn to adapt, to adapt with each other. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I I wanted to the next quote I wanted to read came from your website too. Something that I I watched through your recommendation, the Ella Dawson. Mm-hmm. Um, "Quote," and she says, "Telling someone that you have an STI should not be brave or shocking. It should be normal and kind of boring." So I wanted this brings me to uh, disclosure. And you have something on your website that people can can purchase that is a disclosure kit, I believe that it's helps. A guide, people, a guide yeah. To, but can you talk a little bit about about disclosure and? Yeah, there's just a lot there. So I'm going to just leave it at that. Yeah,
1: I love the quote that you shared from Ella Dawson. Ella Dawson's TED Talk was the first thing I saw that really threw me into this work anyways, because she was doing such a great job of normalizing it and just being so casual about it. And I think that, you know, making it casual, the conversations is key. Because when we put too much pressure on it, like that you have a big secret you have to tell somebody, it's not a secret. It's just a fact of you. You're just telling somebody something about yourself. And I think we put too much pressure on it. Um, I think disclosure can look a lot of different ways. Um there are times when you will have to disclose to somebody the first night you meet them, if you're having a one night stand, or if you're really cultivating a deep relationship with this person, you know, you can make disclosure a much more in-depth, emotional and vulnerable conversation, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be this. I have to tell you something. It's got to get off my chest. It's not you disclosing your STI status should be a two way street, you know, because you have a positive diagnosis and maybe your partner doesn't doesn't change the fact that it's a two-way street. You know, they should be able to talk to their sexual health without any hang-ups or problems either. You know, making it this big scary conversation is what's stopping people from having it. And so making it just part of the conversation like, "Ah, uh, do you know who Evelyn Dacker is?" She it's okay. She, she works yeah. a lot. Evelyn Dacker is my healthcare provider, um, but she does a lot of work out of Portland, sex positive Portland. Um, and she created the STARS model around sexual health. She talks about how, you know, STI status and turn ons and turn offs and avoidances and safer sex are all things that should be part of a routine conversation with all partners. It should be standard. We should be comfortable to talk about these things with our partners. It shouldn't be a taboo topic that we're afraid to cover. It should be one of the very first things we're talking about with our partners. Mm-hmm.
0: And once you show that vulnerability and honesty with the person that you're with, I think that they're probably going to feel a certain amount of relief because then they feel safe in being vulnerable with you and disclosing whatever it is that they have that they that is might be a little bit frightening for them to talk about. And it might not be herpes, it might not be an STI, it could be something else. Absolutely. And
1: I think, you know, the way that you frame it, you're setting the standard around conversations within that relationship. So if you come through with a really casual, confident, like, hey, I have herpes, it's no big deal. I'm happy to provide you with some more information if you need it. Um, Is there anything about your sexual health I should know about? simple, short, sweet. It doesn't have like, and if you make it nonchalant and like, it's no big deal, they're not going to be like, wait, isn't it some big deal? No, they're like, oh, wow, that was easy. Um, you know, there's always going to be somebody out there who might not take it so well, but for the most part, it's like anything else that you might tell a partner that they might not like Oh, I'm a smoker. I'm not really a smoker, but that could be a deal breaker <laughs> right, for some right. people. Um, right. And I, I so. I also like to talk about how you don't have to disclose right away. Like people are like, I don't want to waste anybody's time. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Hold on. <laughs> Reframe that whole thing. Because I'm like, well, okay, so say you're on your first date. Do you immediately come out of the gates with all of your personal information? Do you talk about your dysfunctional family? No. You know, like you wait to see what this person is like. If you want to share information with them, it's not something you have to confess. It's intimate information about yourself. And if that person's deserving of hearing it, then you can share. But I will say if you're not willing to share your positive status with somebody, you are not in a place to be having sex with them. So if you can't disclose your status to somebody, you shouldn't be having sex with that person. Period.
0: Let's put that in bold. Yeah. Ooh, I, I can't do that. Podcast. <laughs> I can scream it. Okay. <laughs> scream that, yes. Scream from the rooftops. <laughs> Disclosure is not optional. Right. Absolutely. Um. So then, your organization—you've actually founded in 2016, or?
1: Let's see if I can. Contr- I contracted in 2016. I probably didn't start talking about it until late 2017, 2018. I definitely lived okay. in my own little shame bubble for
0: about a year and a half. Yeah, the bubble of shame. Yeah. <laughs> so has your organization evolved since you founded it? Definitely. When I started
1: my Instagram, it was anonymous i was still in my shame bubble so i didn't have any pictures of myself it was mostly just posting like affirmations um like about girl power and supporting each other and about like how adversity does not define you it just shapes you um and then you know i i built steam i would say that i think a lot of people create accounts like this for their own self-serving reasons i mean maybe not 100% to serve themselves. But, you know, it helped me a lot on my healing because I met so many people living with herpes too, that it continued to normalize things for me as I was learning and sharing. And, you know, now I'm at a point in my life where herpes does not matter to me at all. I don't feel ashamed about it at all. I'll talk about it with anybody and everybody. My face is all over herpes brand out there. Like I am the self-proclaimed herpes queen. I. It's just as I've evolved, my, my, um, account has evolved and my work has evolved. And, you know, when I first got into sex education, I was like, I don't want to just do herpes. Like I really don't like, I, you know, I've been taught, I've been stuck in this herpes bubble by myself forever. I don't want to be confined to it in my work either. But honestly, the more I've done the work, the more passion I have found for it. And I'm just leaning into it now.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, Yeah, there. Oh, I know what. Another thing that I didn't um, that I want to make sure that I say is that um, people of all ages are. uh, This is is something that they have to think about too. That I have. um, I focus on the fifty five plus community, and I think that there's uh, the rates of STIs in that community are are going up, and and I think it's in in one. Way, that's a great sign because people are staying sexually active and having adventures and, you know, expressing themselves sexually. But the fact is that uh, just because you can't get pregnant anymore doesn't mean you can't get STIs anymore. So those folks that are listening or that are, or the, in my community that are 55 plus, we are talking to you, too. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a thing for all ages. Definitely. Yeah, so we're. I guess the last question I had on here was just about the IC program. We're, but that's how I met you Mm -hmm. originally. We're both um, IC students. I am still kind of plodding my way through the program, and that's how I'm taking it in, just slowly, little bits at a time, absorbing it, using the information. And you graduated just in the last year in May. Congratulations! Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah, quarantine offered
1: me a lot more free time to get my schoolwork done. <laughs> yeah,
0: tell it. Can you? I, I really do love this program, and I'm. I just it. It is. Um, continues to be just an incredible source of inspiration and knowledge for me. So tell me what your favorite part of it do you have a favorite part of the
1: program it's hard to say or- I mean I love the program because it it is a holistic sex education program so it's not you know they talk a lot about other things um, relationships and Tantra and all, all kinds of things and I've I learned so much from that program you know I went in to kind of learn more about sex and wellness and I knew I wanted to be a sex educator because of my experience with herpes, but I had no idea how much I would glean from that program. And, you know, how it would expand my own sexual world to what it is right now. Um, You know, it opened me up to so much. Even, okay, I'll say the SAR was my favorite part. The sexual attitude reassessment. I wish everybody would go to a SAR. You are, you sit for two days and you're exposed to lots of explicit media and there's lots of talking and like going through your feelings and, you know, your turn ons and turn offs and maybe the things that you were taught to be ashamed of. And you really do a lot of digging and self-exploration there. And, you know, I learned where all of my sticky places were where I held a lot of stigma or stereotypes or, you know, and it was all because I didn't know it was yeah. all a lack of knowledge but when you're exposed to these things and you're given a safe space to explore and be curious then you just crack the world right wi- wide open and then of course the connections to all the people who were in the program obviously you and I have connected through there um mm-hmm. I've connected with a lot of folks through there and those relationships are so valuable to me and I wouldn't trade it for mm-hmm. the world so I'm so grateful for IC
0: yeah me too me mm-hmm. too well, thank you so much for uh, joining me today to talk about herpes and making us all, preparing us all to be stigma slayers. Yes,
1: yeah, I keep so. playing that stigma, and I love this capital S T I and stigma. You can't have stigma without S T I. All right, thank
0: you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us here on the Pleasure Principle Podcast. Be sure to join us at community.joyfulsexed.com on the 20th of December for our live Q&A with Ray. This will give you a chance to ask any questions that came up for you during the interview. And of course, you'll get the official Herpes Stigma Slayer title. Next month, we talk to Brian Gibney, who's a surrogate partner and a therapist. He, He talks to us about this compassionate and greatly misunderstood specialty field. Among other things, he helps folks improve their communication around sex, and everyone needs to get better at that. So we'll see you next time.